Maybe it's just that ants suck. Yeah, okay. It's just ants. <laughs> ants are awful. The moral of this entire historical series is that ants are bad, and, um... <laughs> and, and termites are no better. <laughs> Waiting for a break in the rain Waiting for the moment to change your lane I came home from the wasteland Heroic and triumphant like a comic book girl Created out of nothing like a comic book girl Hey! Hello, everyone. We are here. Hi. Hello, everyone. Introduction time. Let's go. Hi, I'm Parker Renevere. I use she, her pronouns, and I got in trouble this morning for hanging out on the roof of my apartment building. <laughs> did you bring a couch out there? Uh, I did, in fact, bring the couch up there. I, I, was, I had one of my handheld video game systems, and I had Mobile Couch Gundam up and sort of tucked away in its usual spot and I just sort of whipped it out uh, and then I got in trouble. Anyway, Cassandra, who are you? I'm Cassandra Kelly. I use she, her pronouns and I joined several foraging groups and the antics of the people in those groups horrify and disgust me. I am full of contempt. Antics who? Someone posted a picture of a Rubus and asked if it was an elderberry. I don't know what a rubus. I don't know what a rubus a rubus. And they asked if it was an elderberry. A rubus is is the, that's one of the, the cubes that you that spin around, right? That has the different color squares. Isn't that that that's like that island from that song? You know, <clears throat> Aruba, Jamaica. Ooh, I wanna take you to Bermuda. Bahamas. I'm going to personally teleport to your house. And kill you. <laughs> also, could you could you introduce yourself, please? Uh, we're in class right now. Come on. I'm going crazy. That's your fun fact. Now, what's your name and pronouns? My name's Ersa Rin. I use she, her pronouns. And apparently I already said my fun fact. I guess we are the she, her squad today. Uh, Dear Bradley has gone out to get groceries in his hazmat suit. Um, Is that why you're eating frozen peas and salt? Okay, I like frozen peas. Thank you very much. they're They're a nice bracing snack and they remind me of the sea. It's so sad. Professor Leon has asked us to uh, tighten up our presentation a little bit and cut out some of our uh, our antics. So we're gonna get into his, it. We're gonna get into it. We are reading specifically stated that not only do we regularly turn in the longest discussions of any group in the class, we regularly turn in the longest discussions by about twenty extra minutes of. <laughs> anyone else in the class and we don't even have all of the students in our group some of them have just never showed up it's because we mess around so let's maybe get moving so that we could give our professor a break and let's get on to our discussion of animorphs volume 11 the forgotten narrated by jake himself uh i have prepared a quick synopsis Go for it. The story opens with our heroes trapped in the purgatorial depths of the square dancing unit of gym class. Is Was this a universal thing for everybody? Did everybody have a, a gym class unit? I will get into that later. I'm not sure. Anyway, while lamenting this torture, Jake experiences a brief but disorienting perceptual shift where he's now in the jungle in Monkey Morph. After school, Tobias calls the crew together and they scout out the nearby Safeway where a prototype bug fighter has recently crash landed. They decide to investigate that spot, and after undergoing a male bonding ritual at his parents' house, Jake arrives at the meeting spot. 
He's continued to experience disruptive perceptual shifts and worries about his ability to lead the group, but decides to get them into Fly Morph and into the Safeway, where they hijack the crashed bug fighter and begin to fly it towards the White House. They escape the notice of some fighter jets by flying into low Earth orbit, where they encounter Visser 3's blade ship and engage in a brief dogfight. Dracon beams from the two ships collide and explode, and both ships fall back to Earth and crash in the Amazon rainforest. Upon regaining consciousness, Jake is reunited with the rest of the Animorphs at the crashed bugfighter and informed by Axe that the Dracon explosion has caused a disruption in space-time called a Sario Rip, which has sent our savior Ugh. teens back in time a few hours. Jake's perceptual shifts are the result of him existing in two places at once. The gang is attacked by local folks who hurl poison spears at Having learned that their way back to the correct timeline hinges upon recreating the Sario Rip within the span of a few hours, and that a squad of Hork-Bajir are on the way, Jake orders Axe to disable the bug fighter, and Jake and the other Earth native members of the squad flee the scene. The squad of Hork-Bajir begins chasing Axe, and Jake and Rachel go into their battle morphs to rescue Axe, with Cassie and Marco standing by his backup. Jake and Rachel drive off the goons, but Rachel is knocked out, and Jake and Tobias discover her being eaten alive by ants. Jake uses what he remembers from his ant-morphing experience in Volume 5 to pit a rival ant colony against the ants eating Rachel and she awakens. The gang relocates Axe, who has, who has acquired a spider monkey, and disabled the bug fighter, and they all acquire spider monkeys and cut loose for a minute before alerting a squad of controllers who open fire on them in the surrounding jungle with reckless abandon. The trigger-happy controllers are halted by Visor 3, and the kids get away to demorph, only to be observed and surrounded by more locals. The leader of the locals, a man named Polo, forges an alliance with the Animorphs through a language barrier. The Animorphs take a quick nap, and Jake is awoken by a jaguar, who the group acquires before setting off for the presumed location of the Yurk fighter ship to reverse the Sario Rip. On the way there, Axe suggests that Jake may be the only real member of the squad at this point in the timeline. Upon arriving, Jake and the others- Mood? Yeah, mood. Upon arriving, Jake and the others are ambushed by Visser 3, who has morphed a huge tentacled creature called a Lairdathak straight out of my, uh, my sleep paralysis demon visions. Also mood. Visser 3 consumes all of the Animorphs except Jake and holds them alive in some sort of crop. Uh, the locals led by Polo arrive and provide range support to Jake, who morphs a monkey, clambers over to the Lairdathak's tentacles, and rebounds a spear from Polo directly into Visser 3. Uh, Jake is struck by a flailing tentacle which wraps around his neck, and he abruptly finds himself back in the earlier timeline, outside the Safeway, where he calls off the mission. Afterward, Axe informs Jake that his death in the jungle resolved his existence in two places at once and returned his perception to the Alpha timeline so that he could prevent the Sario rip from occurring. And there's our synopsis. That was a really good summary. Thank you. Good job. I think it was maybe a little bit long, but, uh, but yeah. that is the deal with this book. We can work on that. Yeah. This one's a little intense. It's a little, very complicated, so... Yeah, we're going to get to rips in the space-time continuum now, which I guess explains some of the things we could do with spaceships now. I just... Z-Space also, I <sighs> guess, is just a thing that exists, but... Okay, let's just get it out right at the open here. Do we or do we not think that this is real? This is fake. What? Uh, it's... Uh, I didn't realize y'all were science deniers. I mean, it's clearly described. The mechanics of it are laid bare here it's real it's this is a thing parker parker i don't know how to explain to you that people can lie in books <laughs> and in fact they do it frequently but this would be such an outlandish bizarre lie like why would it's you just, bother it sounds so stupid i refuse to believe it on principle alone i understand the skepticism around it because like you know it's never been replicated before so Wait, really? Well, no. As far as I know. That's, that's it's why... It's not like, you know, morphing. It's like, I've never seen someone morph, but I know enough people who have seen someone morph, and I'm like, it's a very familiar, incredible thing. 
But I've never known someone who saw a Sario rip happen. I've never heard about, oh yeah, we had a really weird thing happen today on the nightly news because there was a Sario rip. It just, it sounds so goofy. Oh, you shoot space guns at each other and time travel. Well, here's the thing, is that like, a sorry rip might happen, but it's really hard to prove that it happened because the universe balances is itself to make sure that there's no evidence of it having happened. So it's one of those things where it's kind of a catch-22, you know? Like, I guess it, maybe it happened, but like, everyone who was involved just went missing. Have either of you ever seen a Higgs boson particle? Like, I have you held one of those in your hands? No. I guess you can't really hold a Higgs boson in your hands. I think that would probably be difficult. But be, okay, it's the same deal. Like, I'm flabbergasted by this. I'm flabbergasted by the fact that you're that you're just like, ah, no, this isn't real because it's too weird. Like, weird stuff happens all the time. It's not that it's too weird. Weird stuff happens all the time. It's not that it's too weird. It's that it's too silly. Silly stuff happens all the time. I just think I just think that it's it's too difficult to prove. We, I mean, we have an eyewitness account. That's as best as we could get from a trusted historical source. Okay, trusted is a loaded term there. And eyewitness accounts are the least reliable thing ever, especially in, like, criminal cases, but in other mm -hmm. stuff, too. Okay, like, well, so many false convictions have been based completely on eyewitness accounts because eyewitness accounts are so easy to fake. Right, but this also, is a, this is a science. They, they admit they admit in the books that they changed some stuff in the books, and sure, they're just like, oh, it's you know, we changed people's names, we changed locations, blah blah blah. blah. We invented a, like, a, a fissure in the space time continuum. Why not? Because that's ridiculous. Well. You can't do that. Why not? I mean. My opinion is that there's is that there's a good chance that this is a fabrication. Like I can't believe this. I we do oh, this yeah, all Parker, and also the earth is flat. Oh shut this up. Is not, Let Ersa speak. Let Ersa speak. <laughs> Cassandra. No, the people who advocate for flat earth are idiots and they've all yes. I was oh no. I was gonna make a Wait, have you have <laughs> you seen that conspiracy theory about how mesas are actually all giant petrified trees? What? That's Cool. Or so you were trying to say something. I'm gonna eat more of my frozen peas. Ugh. Even with history that has been proven helpful to have as sort of like general cultural knowledge within the, the framework of revolution or general cultural reference is not always true. Like it's sometimes an, an expansion of the truth a little bit or a, a bending of those truths, but like we're not, uh, there's no way for us to like prove certain things that certain people did stuff, but we make those stories because there's no other way for us to make sense of stuff because it happened in the past. And this is the best window that we have to that point. So given that, I mean, history is a good portion of, that's a, it's, mo it's like a good chunk of it is lies. So like, considering that within the context of the rules of this story, this only affected Jake. He could just be lying. You know, he could just be covering something up or perhaps, he just wanted to, like, maybe someone else just wrote this and this is a complete fabrication. Okay, okay, hold on. So, if we discount the events of the Saria Rip, if we say the Saria Rip is just not a thing that exists, the action of this book is Tobias discovers some weird stuff, Jake leads the squad over to the area, and then they go back home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. the end of the book. This journal must exist for a reason. Like, the Animorphs must have written this to convey 
that this is an important concept. How do you... It has to be an important concept, otherwise (laughs) they just wouldn't have written about it. Like, Um, you could care... You could easily just, like... But people write history books. But maybe maybe they knew that people knew that the bug fighter was there, and so they needed to explain why they didn't do anything with the bug fighter. Mm, mm-hmm. But nobody knew that the bug fighter was there. The Yerks had a cover-up op. The Yerks knew. Yeah. Yeah? And it was... Ple- well, but plenty of the Yerks could later, once the war was over, be like, oh, you know, what happened with that? Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Other than a Yerk military historian, who is going to care? I mean, there are a lot of Yerk military historians. Uh, we were in the midst of, debate- of debating is this Aria Rip real? I think that there's... This journal wouldn't exist if it wasn't. There's no point. I think that's a very flawed argument. I mean, I think that history is written by individuals and it's curated by groups of people. So given those two things, you can have holes in accounts and also people have intentions for history. They want it to do something or to mean something. Like I was saying before, we can say that, you know, Marsha P. Johnson did this, that, or the other thing. But like, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if she did it because even if she didn't throw the first brick, it's like she ended up starting and leading the rest of this revolution, and that's what's important. So we can leave out specific pieces of information and also consider how much information uh, is controlled by officials and governments. And I think that those are important factors. Maybe we should move on from this subject because I think we're both sort of... I agree. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think we're going to get closer to agreeing. Well, on... A level of controversy that is clearly exactly the same as this topic. Who wants to talk about square dancing? I would love to talk about square dancing. If you go to school in the United States of America, do you do a square dancing unit? We actually didn't do that much, I don't think. Okay, we definitely had, like, at least one square dancing unit. I was very much the Jake in our situation. I was not big into square dancing. I love dancing. Um, I don't think I did that much square dancing in school. My personal vendetta against square dancing is twofold. One of the reasons is extremely silly, and it is that um, I love to contradance. And at one of the contradances I go to sometimes, they almost never have good callers. They usually have this one guy who is a terrible caller, just an absolutely awful contradance caller. And the reason he's so bad is because he normally calls for square dances and they just pull him in at last second when they need someone. (laughs) So he always makes us do square dances and I'm like, I came to this contra dance for contra. I like the patterns though. My other reason (laughs) is the racism thing. Yeah, I was gonna mention that as well, is that Henry Ford was just like, oh, I don't... (laughs) Jazz, that's some of that low-class stuff, and I'm, I'm going to just choose that kids have to learn this instead. And it just happened because he has power and money. Henry Ford's responsible for square dancing? Yeah. Henry Ford is responsible for square dancing because of racism. Uh, well, that, wow, that really settles it. Square dancing sucks. That said, my, here's my, here's <laughs> well, my hot like take. The no, but here's my hot take. Contra is just square dancing for hipsters. Those are fighting words. Contra is much better. There are lines. I am not a fan of either of them in a big way. I like to stand in a line with people. 
listen, let, let me let me just okay. So let me just outline for you the demographics of the, the one that I go to more often normally, which is the one that has good callers. Hot dudes in skirts. Okay. Not hot dudes in skirts. Okay. Hot girls in skirts. Okay. Cool old men. Creepy old men. <laughs> cool old women. Creepy old women. <laughs> Small children who don't know what they're doing and it's really annoying. I like that the dynamic that you have for old people is creepy or not creepy. And the dynamic that you have for young people is hot or not hot. Well, that's that's easily explained by the fact that I myself am young, young people and also shallow. <laughs> sure. Moving on from square dancing. Moving on. <laughs> Like Jake, Jake experiencing an out of body like time rift experience to me reads as a relief where he's just like, oh god, finally something other than this. <laughs> it's sad to see all these like parts that Jake has like time with his family, and then they all get like I don't know ruined by the fact that he has to think about Tom and like missions and stuff. And not saying that I'm supporting quote unquote male bonding or watching wrestling in the first place, but I feel bad that, you know, Jake couldn't this hang is, out with Wait, hold on, hold dad. on. To be very clear, they're not watching wrestling. They're watching boxing or MMA. Oh, whatever. Wrestling is great. Boxing, I am not as much a fan of. What's I the will... difference? You punch people, you kick people. Wrestling is uh, a form of theater that at its best is is completely removed from any understanding of the events that are going on as being real. Okay, but they're watching men hit each other. Which is why it's boxing. <laughs> but like, okay, masculinity corner, Jake edition here. And his name is John C. I love, I love Jake's mother's line. Am I even allowed in here? When does this room become the temple of male aggression? I'm like, God, <laughs> she, even she's aware of it. Like, this is the point. This is the breaking point. We have found the event horizon of masculinity where even they need to acknowledge that it's absurd and like contrived. It's just completely beyond the, the, the pale of this is how men are supposed to act. Yeah, at least they're aware of it. I feel comfortable and confident now. I feel a little bit more grounded in any cultural analysis of this time period, knowing now that there is an upper threshold for what is considered reasonable to masculinity at this time. <laughs> I just wish, I, I wish there were more women in this situation <laughs> so I could get more perspectives that were like insightful and analytical. This whole conversation is just a travesty. My mother came into the living room and I even allowed it here, she asked mockingly. When does this room become the temple of male aggression? Not till seven, my dad said. Until then, we will allow females, especially if the females remember to pick up chips on their way home from work. Chips? <laughs> chips? <laughs> Wouldn't you rather enjoy some nice carrot sticks and hummus dip? My dad and I just stared at her. Kidding, she said. Just kidding, I have chips. Are Pete and Dominic coming over? It's a farce! <laughs> hummus is great. But hummus is ladylike, though. Hummus is for females. You ever, just, you ever just open a can of garbanzo beans and, like, just pop one of them in your mouth? Like, mm, uh, Apparently, in the 90s, no. Vegetables are haram. Vegetables are banished from the the temple of male aggression. They're not allowed. <laughs> the halls of masculinity. Uh, yeah, okay, in round eight, a lucky uppercut connected. So this is a box. Well, rounds? Is boxing done in rounds? Let's anyway, they're punching each other, which is not usually a thing that happens in wrestling. To tie in my Jake's masculinity corner moment, 
Um, so this is right at the end of chapter 18. So much further along. Mm-hmm. Um, they are walking through the rainforest and Jake decides that they need to take a break because everyone is exhausted and they only have three hours left. Uh, so they sit down and because it's raining and it's loud, Jake and Cassie are able to have a private conversation. Um, I found this moment really interesting. So to uh, just read it out, Cassie came and sat beside me. The noise of the falling rain made our conversation private. How are you doing? Cassie asked me. I shrugged. I'm fine. Why wouldn't I be? She looked at me skeptically. Jake, I know you. I can see it on your face. You're worried and you're mad. Since I don't think you're mad at any of us, I'm guessing you're mad at yourself. I looked away. Everything will work out. I lied, Dolly. You know, it was kind of funny seeing you and Polo together. Yeah? Why? I didn't really care. I was too tired to care. But Cassie was being kind and I needed some kindness. Because you're the same, you and Polo. He's you and you're him. The leaders. You know, he took a risk putting down his spear. We might have killed him and his people. There was no way he could know if it was the right thing to do. He just made the best decision he could. That's all anyone can ask from any leader. I felt for Cassie's hand in the rain. It was too dim and gray to see her face well. I'm so tired, I said. Cassie laid her head on my shoulder. I know, Jake. Rest. Just rest. So yeah. A, this is a really sad and upsetting conversation, and... Um, it made me feel really bad for Jake, even though, you know, also I feel bad for feeling bad about Jake because the kid did so many war crimes. Um, we're gonna have to have a debate club. We're gonna have to open up a debate club. We have not gotten to the worst of Jake's war crimes. Okay. Okay. At the moment that we get there, we'll, we'll, we'll hash it out. But anyway, I think we can focus on this moment of being like a good moment of empathy for Jake in that it's really hard to make tough decisions sometimes. Can I take the beginning of the conversation again? Cause I think it's, I think it's important to sort of emphasize, uh, how are you doing? Cassie asked me, I shrugged. I'm fine. Why wouldn't I be? <laughs> very just very gritty just like gotta persevere yeah. gotta not think about my yeah jake's obsession with creating a a veneer of confidence uh very much does take its toll in this moment i kind of found myself thinking more about cassie in this moment than i did jake actually because cassie ends up often doing a lot of emotional labor for every other animorph yeah like all the time it's it's obviously some of it's just a gender thing but since Rachel is not exactly Miss Emotional Labor, it really feels like a race thing more than anything else to me. And that Cassie is getting stuck with the emotional labor. Some of it is because she's just an empathetic person, but it feels like a lot of it is because she's a black girl. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of complex aspects to the fact that Jake is just sort of assumed as the leader, because he's like, at least presumably, white and a man and straight and like I think that everyone just assumes that he like can take on that role and that they can't for whatever various reasons because like Tobias is gay and Marco's like a person of color and so is Cassie and Rachel's a woman. We don't know if Tobias is actually gay but like Tobias is gay. Tobias is gay. Yeah um although that being said um I don't know if this has come up before but Jake and Rachel are ethnically Jewish. Well, that doesn't make Jake any less white in most contexts, um, to my knowledge, because I'm not Jewish. Uh, It is an interesting point that no one in this group is like the 
the mythical, uber-privileged, completely cis, completely straight white dude who is, you know, not Jewish, not disabled, all that jazz. Jake also mm-hmm. comes the closest, though, to that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know, I totally agree. I totally agree with your point. I just didn't want to, like, erase Jake and Rachel's identity. That's an important thing to remember. I just sort of think that, like, I, I obviously this is really complex and I don't want to read read too much into something as, like, speaking as a white person, but, like, I just feel like there's, like, some interpersonal dynamics that lead to that. And one of those factors is race. And I, I, I don't know. I think they could all do a great job leading, and they all do at various points, but for whatever reason, Jake just sort of takes that, that role. Yeah, and it's not a power grab by him. They, The way that Certainly he not. sees it and the way that I think most of them see it is that they kind of just cede that role to him uh, kind of as a matter of course. Maybe that's where the privilege comes in, but like he doesn't feel like he's taken this position, and at times he doesn't feel like he wants it. Mm-hmm. They're definitely drawing upon race to sort of like inform these decisions, but I think they're also drawing upon narrative archetypes that they've seen. I mean, it seems like these are all pretty media-savvy kids, even Cassie. And I think that the Animorphs are usually pointed to as one of the best real-life examples of the sort of like five-man band archetype. No one uses fax machines, but call you'll hear the noise. Statues left by ancient Greeks, the perfect cheeks of goddesses and boys. Piled in the closet, broken toys. There's a lot of flip-floppy opinions here of like, oh man, the jungle sucks. Oh wait, the jungle's great. Um, Cassie went back and copy edited it and added in all of the the jungle is great. Too. I would have loved to see Cassie's direct experience here. I would have loved to have her thoughts as she's sort of traversing this this place that as is at once a sort of like a biodiversity paradise and is also a steamy swampy hellscape. Yeah, I think that like the sort of logical progression that someone from the suburbs has of like, wow, nature's so pretty, and then like realizing that nature is more complex than that and being like. Oh, nature sucks that like Rachel goes through in, in this one. And then going to sort of like the knowledge based uh, thing that obviously the the locals, Polo and his gang, have of like nature is just it's just reality. There's it's like ups and downs and as long as you understand it and figure out how to deal with it, it's just, you know, here. So yeah, I don't I don't give people who say, Oh, nature's a horrible you're always being hunted, terrible wasteland of that's crap. You're not you're not you're not buying into the Hobbesian you're not buying into the Hobbesian sort of vision of nature. Speaking as a woman, if I always wanted to be hunted, I'd just go to a college campus. Oh boy. You gotta get handed to Rachel though. If I had an experience of waking up being eaten alive by ants, I would also probably think nature sucked. Uh if I if that happened as yeah. a team. Maybe it's just that ants suck. Yeah, okay. It's just ants. <laughs> ants are awful. The moral of this entire historical series is that ants are bad, and um, <laughs> and and termites are no better. There we go, everyone. We solved it. No more class discussions. We're done. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Solved the code. <laughs> Goodbye, this has been great. Professor Leone. Goodbye, TAs. We got it. Ants suck. But are we the ants to the Elemist? Hmm. Hmm. The Elemist is fake. Hey, speaking of conspiracy corner. Have we had one yet, or is the whole sort of discussion? I think conspiracy corners that I think the Sario rip sounds silly. I don't. I can't. It's science. It's here. We have it anyway.
my conspiracy my conspiracy i have a conspiracy this week the same consciousness thing like this explanation also seems a little weird i feel like so jake's in two different places and he's feeling two different things back is like oh it's the same consciousness it's not the same consciousness it's just sort of like a very similar consciousness it's experiencing two radically different things at the same time and has different life experiences so therefore in my opinion it's changed but apparently not enough for the universe and just to poke another hole in this whole this whole sort of thing is Join this the dark side is this journal <laughs> is this journal arguing for the exist the existence of a soul Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! You freaked her bean. You freaked her bean. Oh, my bean's been freaked. Someone's having their bean freaked in on in media res. Whoa! What? Wait. Whoa! Wait. What? I mean, does it not? Because what I, is I... causing the perceptual shifts to arise? Like. What is it about the specific moments that Jake is experiencing that is causing his perception to swap on over to Brazil? It's inconsistent and unclear because it's fake. Okay, no, but <laughs> we're talking about the soul here, Cassandra. Um, <laughs> There's no such thing as a soul. Souls aren't real. That, oh my god. <laughs> These muffins are delicious. I'm glad Ooh. that you have good muffins. I wish I did too. I have finished all my oh, right, the, peas. the foraged muffins. <laughs> Don't worry about that car going by. <laughs> we don't have another explanation for why Jake's perception snaps from body to body. We just don't have another one. This is what I'm saying. I, I like an Axe's explanation is no more scientific than the one that we get just from Jake's experience. You can't argue it. I'm right. <laughs> I can't believe also that this journal would have been probably about half as long if Axe had just paid attention in class. It is impossible for one person to be in two places at once, in theory. So if you eliminate one of the two, well, the consciousness snaps back together. I think what happened, Prince Jake, is that you died. So your mind snapped back. Axe uses the word mind to describe Jake's perception of being in one place or another. Yeah, which is no more scientific than saying soul. <laughs> Axe needs to have paid attention in school retroactively. Like I know! God. That's the story of, like, half of the Animorphs journals, is that if Axe had paid more attention at school, half of them would be, like, so much shorter. They would be five pages. Speaking of Andalites, I just want to say that, to follow up on my sort of, like, I wanted to keep track of this, chapter mm -hmm. 10 starts with, with Visor 3, so that's at least two. Oh, right, right. You were so, saying you wanted to keep track of all the chapters that start with Visor 3. Visor 3. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just always makes Visser me laugh. Three. The first three sentences of chapter three start with Visser three. We sound like the um, midway point of an anime. Visser three. Visser three. <laughs> Full Metal Alchemist. Full, Full Metal, metal Alchemist. alchemist. <laughs> You're right. Visser three doesn't make a cartoonish anime villain blunder in this book. And therefore, they lose. He's competent, and, and then they fake. lose and die. Yeah. In his iteration of this narrative, in Visser 3's iteration of this narrative, Visser 3 successfully destroys all of the Animorphs. He successfully kills all of the Animorphs and ends the resistance to the Yerks. Good for her. I mean, not actually. That was a horrible <laughs> thing to say. I'm sorry, everyone. I just, for a moment there, I was like, oh, he accomplished his goals. And then I was like, wait, that's actually really bad. Yeah, that's really bad. <laughs> uh, but it's okay because it was all fake. 
Okay. Yeah, it was all fake, see? I don't know if I have anything intelligent to say, but, like... Go on. Can we just, like, talk about the fact that Axe is like, hey, me and also the rest of the team right now, none of us are real. You're the only real person right now. That just kind of happens, and, like, stuff is moving too fast to really acknowledge it or really break it down, but, like... Axe is definitely just like, oh yeah, none of us are real. Big mental illness move. Actually, I get the opposite. I get the opposite where sometimes I become randomly convinced that I'm not real. You're not. Thanks. <laughs> okay, so Axe, yeah, Axe says, Prince Jake, it's possible that you are, I mean, it's possible that you are the only real person here. The rest of us may only be memory. Like, Jake has main character syndrome. It can't be memory because <laughs> Axe is pulling information out of his own brain that Jake does not possess access to. So access. I'm pointing at my microphone. You can't see, but that I'm pointing because I got that joke. <laughs> that was a funny joke. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it just—it's not memory, and it's not mind. Axe is still holding stuff back. I think is my conclusion here. Um, yeah, his his like, oh, I'm I was a horny Max, we talked about this. Is like not a thing. There's a moment that I almost put in my synopsis, but it didn't seem relevant. Wherein Jake knows that Axe is holding stuff back, but can't really comment on it in the moment. And I think it's implied that Jake, as Axe explains more and more about the Saria rip, that sort of Jake feels that that sort of suspicion has been sort of ameliorated and that Axe is not keeping any more information from him. But I still think Axe is keeping information from him because the words that he's using don't make sense. Um, he's holding back, he's hiding, but what I can't decide, why won't he be the king I know he is, the king I see inside, can you feel the love tonight? The Lion King is my favorite That Disney was movie. really good. <laughs> I can't tell if you're joking. No, I'm not. That was, I was oh, like genuinely surprised. That was really, that was great. I didn't realize I was like a trained professional singer for a lot of my childhood. No, right? I didn't know that. <laughs> or no, you did just, say that, but I forgot. Uh, Jake's calling the, uh, the square dancing music screaming cat fiddle music might be my favorite piece of comparison <laughs> in the series. Microaggression against me personally. Oh I God. genuinely, unironically love the music at Contras. It's so fun. It makes me feel like I'm a hobbit and I'm having a party in the Shire and Gandalf is here with fireworks and I'm dancing arm in arm with a beautiful young lass and we're going to go eat stuffed mushrooms afterwards. <laughs> if Contra were a hobbit party, there already would be stuffed mushrooms there and I would have a reason to go to Contra. They do serve snacks at Contra. Not enough snacks. Jake <laughs> Jake beats up on himself a lot for uh, having these weird perceptual shifts. He tells himself he's not allowed to be a crazy. A mental illness mood. Yeah. A mental illness mood. A mental illness mood, but also very much like if you're the leader of a group, one of the things that you have to do is delegate, especially if you feel like you are compromised in some way. Like, it's just responsible leadership. So... Yeah. Buddy, take care of yourself. Let your pals know when things are happening. People should tell each other when things are happening. Um, yeah, this is like, as someone who A, is chronically ill, and B, often ends up accidentally becoming the leader of, like, group projects in college, you have to delegate because you can't do the whole group project on your own, or you can't save the whole world on your own in this case. Uh, that concludes Animorphs. Volume 11, The Forgotten. Awesome. Uh, next book we're reading is Animorphs Volume 12, The Reaction, which is narrated by Rachel. And for which the oh tagline boy. is, trust no one. 
That's a pretty Rachel tagline. Pretty Rachel tagline. <laughs> All right. Stay safe, everyone. Okay. Stay safe. Bye. Stay safe. Nerds. Wait, I had another goof. Oh, you have another goof. Oh, Let's another go goof. quick. Give me your goof. Nah, I lost it. <laughs> Before you go this week, a short message. The Morph Report is now on Patreon. We care a lot about accessibility, and we want to provide transcripts for our podcast. However, we are not able to keep up with the transcripts ourselves for much the same reason that we care about accessibility in the first place. To help offset these costs, we have introduced two preliminary tiers on Patreon at a $2 and $5 level, and we are working on more. If you're interested in supporting us so that we can transcribe our episodes and so that we can also pay for our hosting fees on Pinecast, please look us up or follow the link in the episode description or on Twitter. Thank you. Stay safe. Thanks to Noelle McGarelli for the use of their song Comic Book Girl off the album Field Notes from Another Place and Complicated Spoon. You can find more of Noelle's music at noellemcgarelli.bandcamp.com or find a link in the show notes. The Morph Report podcast is hosted by Hamlet Cooper, Scrivener Lamb, Marina Malucci, and Blythe. You can follow us on Twitter at Morph Report. If you have a question for the Potomorphs, email us and we'll answer it on the show. Our email is themorphreport at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Stop in Armageddon like a comic book girl. Dead on page 11 like a comic book girl. Hey! 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 No one needed facts and shoes. Statue made of ancient gods and snakes and goddesses and boys. Piled in the closet, broken toys. <laughs>